um, I'd been drinking all day, all weekend. This was a Sunday and I found myself alone in my car uh, sitting under an overpass. So it was like a, a big highway overhead and it was a pretty secluded area and I had a loaded gun with me and I was going to take my life because I had just felt like this was it. This was the end. I am doing nothing with myself. Things are just really going downhill and I can't do it anymore. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 148. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. At Tribe Sober, we're all about community. So each week, we feature a community voice. I joined Tribe Sober in June 2020 after years of trying to either moderate or ditch the booze for good. I could never get it right, but after joining the tribe with the inspiration and the continuous support, I only wish I'd joined sooner. Being with Tribe Sober made me see that I didn't have a problem, but rather an opportunity to create a life I didn't want to escape from. It took me a whole year and 84 day ones, but I never gave up and the tribe never gave up on me. I'm happy to say I'm close to four months sober and loving my sober life and continue to grow with my tribe. Thank you, Tribe Sober, for saving me from the toxic relationship I had with alcohol. I don't ever see myself going back. So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe. So let's get to this week's podcast guest. By the time single mom Molly Desh was in her 30s, she was hitting the alcohol hard. Newly divorced, she dived into the online dating game with great enthusiasm. With hindsight, she can see that it was much too soon. She drank more, she got very depressed and found herself in a suicidal state. But she fought back, she ditched the booze, did the work and she's in a very different place today. I began my conversation with Molly by asking her to introduce herself. Sure. I live in the United States. I live in, it's called Kansas City, Missouri. It is the smack dab center of the United States. I am a single mom, two boys, Ethan and Miles. They're 12 and 16. I am an aspiring yogi, so working on my yoga certification Love to read. I like American football and the other kind of football. Um, I actually grew up playing soccer, so love that. 
And I'm learning to play the cello, which is crazy because I have Mm. never played an instrument in my entire life. (laughs) And so trying to figure out just the basics of music theory in general and play. So, yeah. Wow, the cello. Fancy. (laughs) You've you've picked a big instrument to start with. Okay, so let's (laughs) dive into the drinking story, shall we, Molly? When did it all sure. start? You know, were you a teenage drinker like me, or was it a little bit later than that? Yeah, I started in high school. Um, I was kind of the rebel child. I was perpetually grounded from not coming home on time, you know, walking in at two or three o'clock in the morning, and my parents are sitting there waiting for me. So that was kind of my my high school <laughs> in a nutshell. And I didn't stop. Um, I kept drinking through uh, my 20s. My 20s was lots of drinking, but also lots of drugs. I tried pretty much everything. I never put anything in my vein, though, thank God. And then I was 25 when I had my first kid, not planned, not married. I stayed sober throughout my entire pregnancy. About a year after he was born, things with his dad started going downhill And I got back into drinking, um, drinking in the evenings. And sometimes in the evenings, I would sneak out and find myself doing things I shouldn't be doing as a a young mom. I would say my alcohol got really out of control later on, probably in my late 20s, early 30s. I got married and my husband at the time, he was a big drinker too. I mean, that was like, that was our thing. We would sit on the porch every night and, you know, drink several beers together. That was just kind of our life and it felt normal and neither of us really questioned it. There were, there were a couple of times where he would try to take a break and um, I mean, he was pretty successful. Like he would go you know, Monday through Thursday without drinking and then, you know, hit it really hard on the weekends. But I never really questioned it. I feel like, you know, the workplace emphasizes it. Um, you know, all your friends are doing it. It's on, it's all over social media. Like it's a big joke. And if you're not doing it, then, you know, you're kind of an outcast. Yeah, it, it definitely got really bad um, in my 30s. And the summer following my divorce was kind of like a free-for-all, if you will. I was trying to, like way too early, trying to get back into the dating scene. It was scary. Lots of meeting men for drinks and taking them home or, you know, waking up in their bed. And I actually kind of reintroduced myself to drugs. And I mean, it was just, it was going downhill really fast. And I felt like there was no accountability. You know, I, it was just me, single mom again. It got really bad. So that was the summer. And towards the end of the summer, my boss was being a lot more relaxed on being able to work from home. I would find myself at, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning drinking. And, you know, I'm on like these teams meetings with people that I work with. And we're just everybody, we all got along really well. And everybody's having a good time. And I'm three sheets to the wind by noon. That became pretty common for me. It was kind of a, a joke 
with some people in my family that if you don't start drinking early, you can't say you've been drinking all day. So we would crack open our first drink at eight o'clock in the morning and just drink all day, take a nap and then wake up and keep going. And that was, that was pretty much my summer. And towards the end, there was like when the drugs got reintroduced, I would go two or three days just hitting it really hard. There wasn't anything outside of me that was making me really upset. You know, it wasn't like a breakup or a family member or anything like that. I just got extremely depressed and upset with myself. And I found myself, um, I'd been drinking all day, all weekend. This was a Sunday. And I found myself alone in my car, uh, sitting under an overpass. So it was like a, a big highway overhead. And it was a pretty secluded area. And I had a loaded gun with me. And I was going to take my life because I had just felt like this was it. This was the end. I am doing nothing with myself. Things are just really going downhill and I can't do it anymore. I look over and my phone starts vibrating and it's my son, my oldest son. And I'm just a hot mess, you know, super drunk and crying and, and he's, he just, begs me, come home, come home, mom. I need you here. Please come home. And so I did. And as soon as I got home, I called my mom. My mom lives um, a few states away from me. And I said, you know, I've got a problem. This is spiraling out of control. I don't know what to do. I need you to come stay with me. I, I got to quit. And so she did. Um, a couple of days later, she flew out to stay with me. And in those two days, it was like, I knew I'm I'm going to quit. So again, I, I drank, drank myself silly until she showed up. I kept playing in my mind, like, how am I going to do this? And I got extremely stressed out because I didn't know how I was going to get sober. I had never heard mm. of a, a sober mm. coach or online groups or any of that. So my, my immediate reaction was rehab. That's what you got to do. So the day she got here, I found an out, outpatient center. My ex-husband talked me out of inpatient because, I mean, frankly, he didn't want to be responsible for the boys. So he talked me into outpatient and I went. I'm sitting there talking to the lady and she's, you know, telling me all about the program and how it works. And she starts taking me around and, and giving me a tour of the facility. And it's like this really old school. It was probably like four stories tall, but they had like this huge gymnasium and we're walking down there and you can hear people, you know, shooting baskets. She points me to what looks like a caf an old cafeteria. And there's a group of women in there and they're having a session. And she says, yeah, this is the group that you would be meeting with every day. And I look in and Janet, it's they're homeless prostitutes. And I'm like, oh, my God, is this who I am? Is this what I have become? I can't do this. And I freaked out and I was like, thank you so much. And I left and I went home and I had to come up with a plan B. 
So my mom said, well, you need to find a medium. She was telling me about AA and, you know, everybody knows about AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. I was like, okay, I guess that's how I'm going to have to do it. And I found a place that was pretty close to my house. I was so nervous the first time I went. It wasn't a church. It was, I don't even know what kind of building it was, but there's a bunch of old men sitting out front smoking well, I guess I just go in. I don't really know. Um, so I went in and there was, you know, the circle of metal chairs facing each other. And there's some rooms off to the side. And I had a couple women come up to me and introduce themselves and make me feel welcome. And that was nice. But I only stayed with AA for three months. The whole philosophy of being powerless really um, set me off. Like I felt like of course I have power. I can do this. A lot of it is if you don't show up every day, then you're going to go back to drinking. AA is the only way. And I'm, like I said, I'm kind of a rebel at heart. So I I felt (laughs) like I am not much of a conformist. So this isn't really working for me. So I just kind of stopped going. But I mean, I stayed sober for over a year after that. I read some books, COVID hit. So I felt like that was helpful for me, even though for, I know for many people, it was worse for them. I mean, many people drank 10 times more than they were before COVID. But I think the simple fact that I couldn't go anywhere was helpful. Um, I did become very reclusive and I became obsessed with the news. I was just constantly seeing, you know, watching the COVID numbers and just being like, oh my God. And I was like, so scared. And I wouldn't let any of my my kids' friends come over. I just got like really um, anxious and terrified. Um, So that was, that was like the first year. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So you went to AA for three months and did you go to meetings every day? Did you go to um, a lot of meetings? Yep. So that really I did. helped I went to meetings at the beginning. Day. Yeah. And then you stopped going quite abruptly, did you? Yeah. It was actually a particular situation that really turned me off. I have always just for fun, fixed up old furniture. I would find, you know, like a dining table at a garage sale or an antique store and just sand it down, stain it, refinish it, make it beautiful. And I love doing that. So I thought, hey, I'm going to do this. You know, I have all this free time now. I'm just going to find furniture for free and just fix it up. And then I got an idea, like maybe this could be a little side hustle and I could sell things. And I brought it up in one of the meetings that I was at. There was, it was, um, they break off into small groups. So the men are in one room and the women are another. And I brought it up. This woman looks at me and she just kind of shit all over it. She was like, that is a terrible idea. You are way too, it's the pink cloud. You haven't been sober enough to start a business and this and that. And I, I thought, you know, well, you don't even know me, (laughs) you know, I'm a pretty determined person and I've done it before. But anyways, that was the situation that really just kind of drove me away. 
But it, it gave you that push to stop you drinking for a while. And then you, you carried on for another nine months after that. And how did you maintain your, your sobriety alone during that time? Oddly enough, I met a man the week before everybody went into lockdown. I met him on, <laughs> at, on Match.com. I met him on a dating app. And... I was very upfront. I do not drink. I don't want to be around it. So our our initial dates were at my house. That's how we got to know each other because you couldn't go anywhere. I feel like that was really helpful because, you know, he didn't drink around me. COVID definitely helped because I wasn't going anywhere. There was no social activities, you know, nothing really tempting. Yeah, that definitely helped pretty impressive but year two it all went a bit pear-shaped didn't it talk to us about <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> you had a few relapses I think didn't you yes I had three relapses in my second year the first one was with this new guy I was dating I thought I caught him cheating on me and you know that sent me in a tailspin but the most pivotal relapse or backsliding or whatever you want to call it because it would just be like one day I didn't like drink for several days or anything was this happy hour that one of my friends was having for me I was quitting my job at this really big corporation that I'd worked for for over 10 years and they wanted to have a going away thing for me so I kind of battled with that for a while do I go I mean it's for me but it's a happy hour. It's at a bar. So I ended up going and my boyfriend at the time was out of town. So I thought, well, nobody's watching. I'll go and have a couple drinks and it'll be fine. And one thing led to another and we're having shots and I'm having to be driven home because, you know, I'm just way, way too out of control. And the next day, I was so hungover. I mean, when you go that long not drinking, yeah, it really is like your body's clean. <laughs> and then... Yeah. Yeah. It's like a ton of bricks. And I was yeah. hating life and thinking to myself, what are you doing? Like, this is not what you chose. You chose to get sober. You need to figure some shit out. And so I, I did. I started doing the work. The work is right. Yeah. Molly, who are you? What the hell do you want to do with your life? What do you enjoy? What are your passions? Figure this out in just books and self-help and tons of journaling. I mean, journaling was my therapy. I found out more about myself writing, just writing random thoughts and answering questions that I found in books than I have in my entire life. And it was the pivotal moment for me. And it allowed me to to build my toolbox, my sobriety toolbox. So I developed new habits. I set up boundaries. You know, I figured out who I was and I started loving myself, which is like the most important thing, the most important piece of the whole puzzle. Yes. So how, how did you work out what the work was and how to do it? I actually just started listening to myself. I went to the library and I became pretty comfortable at the library. 
And I would just go up and down the nonfiction aisles and just read through the titles and whatever stuck out to me, I would grab it. I don't know. I feel like the universe just kind of points you and like taps you on the shoulder and is like, hey, check this out. And so I did. And so I would start with self-compassion and then I would move into how to build habits or, you know, anger issues or are you a narcissist? Are you codependent? You know, like all these things and just peeling back layer after layer and trying to figure out who I am, what is, what was the driving force and how can I take this information and put it into action in my life, implement some of these techniques and thoughts and theories into my life to make me a better person. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love the way you worked it all out yourself because, well, I also went to AA and it didn't suit me for the same reasons. I was like, what do you mean I'm powerless? (laughs) So we're not, we don't want to be put in a box and go through this step and that step. But as you say, you know, once you're open to change, it's like the universe comes to help. And once you start sharing and telling your truth, you know, that, that opens everything up. So so that's beautiful. I love the story of you going to the library and looking at all the titles. And just like one thing leads to another, doesn't it? I mean, you yeah. can do that on the internet as well. Like one article you read and then something else will come up and it, it all starts falling into place. And journaling is amazing. As, as you say, it's like having a therapist. Talk to us a bit more about the journaling, the process. Would you sit down at a certain time every day and write up what had happened that day or was it just quite random? It was pretty random. A lot of it depended on the book that I was reading because I really love it when I can get a book that points the finger back at you and asks difficult questions. So I've literally got notebook like I've got notebooks all over my house of all of my journals and my thoughts and questions. And I would do a, just go out on Google and search just anything, any kind of workbook. Cause I love workbooks. I'm kind of a nerd workbooks about how to find yourself, how to discover your true life purpose, things like that. And if I had a book that I really liked and the author references another book, I'm writing it down. I'm going to go look at that book. They said it's a good book, so I'm going to go check it out. It's just something that I've kind of told myself recently. If somebody recommends a book to me, I buy it. I just do. There's a reason that they told me about that. And I trust my intuition way more now than I ever have before. And it gets louder the more you you trust it. Because you begin to connect with yourself, don't you? And you're in touch with yourself. You you know what you really want. Yeah. So all those books you read, what would you recommend? What was your favorite one? If someone's listening to this and they're kind of just starting out on this journey, any any book that springs to mind that you think they should read? Oh, my God. There's so many good ones. My favorite is Brene Brown. And she. Yeah. there's a couple of them that she writes about. Braving the Wilderness is one of my favorites because it forces you to look outside yourself and put yourself out there, like take big risks. And I read that really early on in my sobriety and the messaging didn't really connect with me until later on. I'm a big fan of memoirs. I like to read about all the nasty, raw details of 
you know, people's addictions. I loved Elton John's memoir that he did. I don't know yeah, if you've read that. Read it's that. so good. And Augusta Burroughs, his is really good. So I like those. But yeah, like go to the library and just walk up and down the aisles and just see if anything speaks to you. Check it out. It sounds like you need to write your own book one day. All those notebooks, make sure you keep them safe because you've got a story to tell as well that will help other people. It's funny you Um, mentioned that because I actually did. I finally put together my own workbook. Like I didn't find a manual, if you will, on how to redefine your life. And I wanted to make it easier for somebody that's going through that experience. I mean, I actually did. I I gathered up all my journals and found the most thought-provoking questions and just kind of put it all in one spot. Wonderful. And are you going to publish that or is it available? Yeah, it is available. I'll send you a copy. Okay, great. Well, we can get some out there. So um, let's go back to those relapses. Did you learn anything significant from those relapses apart from that you need to do the work? The first couple times, no. But the last time, definitely setting up boundaries. I had no boundaries. I had allowed people to come to my house and drink booze, and it made me really feel uncomfortable. Family members, close friends. So I was able to put it out there. If you're coming over, there's not going to be any alcohol here. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, it's not much to ask, is it? You know, and if people care about you, they're going to do it. Yeah, and if it's that big of a deal to them, then I guess I don't really want them here anyways. Yeah, exactly. And you've referred to your toolkit. What what kind of things are in there? What's what are your most important tools? Meditation. Oh, 100%. Okay. It's my lifeline. If I don't meditate, you will know it. It's very irritable and just kind of bitchy and... You know, my boyfriend's even said that. Have you meditated today? No. Well, you need to do that. (laughs) I love it. I meditate every single morning, sometimes in the afternoon and sometimes in the evening. Just kind of depends on how the day's been. If I feel Mm. a little overwhelmed or stressed about anything, I just lay down for a good 20 minutes and listen to a guided meditation. Have you ever read The Artist's Way? Yes. Yeah. Julia Cameron. It's great. So you do your morning pages. I do. I do every morning and I haven't missed a single day in several months. So yeah, I love it. Well, that's, that's why you've got all your notebooks and you're (laughs) so creative and you're scribbling away because you've, you've unlocked it and that's, that's been part of your healing, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 It's amazing what conversations or arguments you can have with yourself in your head. And then when you write about it, the answer just appears on the page. It's amazing. I love that. Or you can have negative stuff clogging everything up. You write it down, throw it away. Sometimes I I just chuck my pages away and, and then your mind clears. You've been alcohol free a couple of years now, is it? How many years? I quit on September 19th of 2019. Okay. How how do you sustain your sobriety? Um, we hear that you still meditate and you've, you're writing, you're journaling. What other things do you do? I'm just 
open to new opportunities all the time. So like I said, I just pay attention to the synchronicities in life. So like I recently decided I was going to try and play the cello. Why not? Yes. So it's beautiful. You know, just having these little accomplishments that I can, you know, add to my list. Working on yoga. I love yoga. I try to do a video. I just do it at home. I don't really subscribe to the gym much. And so I just do that at home three or four times a week. I've got a gal that I just love on YouTube. She cracks me up. She's just so fun. So I love that. Um, I love to cook. I love when when it's not freezing cold outside. I love to be outside. I have a pool. I am always in the pool in the summer, working in the garden. I love vegetables and flowers, taking my dog for a walk. I mean, just finding things that make me happy and fulfill me. Yeah. That's what keeps me sober. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the, the joys of sobriety because we, we learn, we start to learn and appreciate everyday pleasures again, don't we? Because when we're drinking, our, our world gets so small because that's all that interests us, the drinking. And then when you manage to stop, it's like you look around and you think, wow, <laughs> so much, so much out here <laughs> to yeah. enjoy. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. What are your top three benefits of sobriety, please? What would you pick? You've obviously got many there that you're thriving in your sobriety, but what would what would you say your top three are? Um, my number one is my relationship to my kids. It has yeah. changed because they've seen me at my worst many times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've developed this. Like they're, they're proud of me. I've never had, I've never had that before. And to hear, you know, a 10 year old come up to you and give you a hug and say, I'm so proud of you, mom. Yeah. And your eldest, you know, if he hadn't made that phone call that night, you know, when you were in the car, that's such a chilling story. You know, that, that was a message to you, wasn't it? Just, um, Oh my God. Get back to your kids and get your act together. Yeah. Yeah. So so close. So obviously the children, that must be huge for them. Another two, please. <laughs> Waking up with energy and yeah. like I want to get up during the day, you know, in the morning. It feels good. I feel refreshed. I don't feel like I, I missed out on any sleep. That is because I'm a, I love sleep. <laughs> like I will go to bed at 730 if my body is telling me I'm tired. So I, I, I love sleep. And, um, the other best, best benefit, getting to know myself, because when you're drinking, you, you have like lost so much, you lose your identity, you lose touch of who you are and your intuition, your connection to anything bigger than yourself is just non-existent. I almost feel like it's impossible 
if not yeah. extremely hard to have any sort of connection with yourself or your higher power if you're drinking. I agree. But it, it sounds like you're on this wonderful journey of self-discovery now and you're, you're finding your purpose and that, that never would have happened, would it, if you'd uh, exactly. carried on drinking. And your skin looks amazing, I must say that. <laughs> I'm sure it didn't look that good when you were drinking. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. It was awful. Very dry and red and <laughs> yeah. sweaty yeah. armpits. Did you know that? Did you know that stat that for every glass of wine that you drink, you lose four glasses of water from your body? Uh, so let's talk about coaching. Uh, when did you have that idea to, to try sober coaching? It was this summer. I was kind of tossing around different ideas of what I wanted to do that was more fulfilling than the tech industry that I was in. And I came across this website to learn how to be a guided guided meditation teacher. But the program was really expensive. It was like 12,000 US dollars just to be like, get certified in this person, this woman's program. But, you know, I, I loved meditation and I, I thought it would be really cool to do that. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll do yoga. Maybe I can do teach yoga at the gym down the street or something. And then... I don't even know how it happened, but I got an email about from this um, coaching program. I was like, hmm, I wonder what this is. So I scheduled a call and I talked to a gal that I still talk to today. And she was telling me all about it. And I thought, okay, yeah, let's be a coach. I think a coach sounds really good. And then it just kind of, why don't you be a sober coach? That's something you know how to do and you can use all of these all of these notebooks these journals that you have and exactly help women figure out their own identity and their own future and who they want to be i'm telling you the universe just throws things at you yeah. and if you're if you're paying attention jump on it jump on it i was just thinking that you know you just got this email you could have gone delete 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 like we tend to do with all those emails that yeah. come in in the morning but you read it on the universe again so you qualified as a sober coach and you've you've got your own practice going now i think haven't you yeah so i got my certification this summer and the program that i signed up for was pretty intense and I wanted to, I wanted to be able to put all my effort into it. So I quit my job and I didn't really have like a whole bunch of money set aside in case it fell through. Like I was just, I was literally putting all of my eggs in one basket. You know, I put my entire life on the line because the universe was showing me like, this is, this is your purpose. This is where you're going. And I did it and it's been really successful. It's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. It helps me get out of bed every day. It doesn't feel like work at all. I, I just thoroughly love, I enjoy it. I mean, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like uh, connecting with your passion, isn't it? You know, yeah. something that, that lights you up rather than drudging off to corporate <laughs> America every day. Um, Alcohol-Free Foundations program. That looks interesting. Talk to us about that. 
Yeah. So that's the program that my clients enroll in if they want one-on-one personalized coaching. When I first got into the coaching program that I enrolled in, it was, it was kind of like, come up with a, you know, an outline of what you want your program to look like. And I just, like I said, I'm a rebel and I don't like to conform to anything. So my program looks really different for every person that enrolls in it. Some women really struggle with past trauma. And I work with professionals that I refer them to and they can work through that. Some women, they're really stuck in the happy hours and drinks with friends. And so trying to redesign their their social fulfillment. Everybody needs to develop new habits, reevaluate their environments, their day-to-day, and get into that mindset that this is your new life. It's not a one and done thing. You know, you don't just choose to get sober and then move on with life. Yeah, we have to learn to thrive in our sobriety, don't we? Just not just kind of exist and, and exactly. struggle on. And that's that's just that was why I always struggled with AA as well. They they made me feel like it would be a lifetime struggle, you know, and I would always have to go to meetings. And, and for me, it hasn't turned out like that at all because it's I've, these days I find it easy. And like you, you know, I'm talking right. to people about sobriety and helping them every day. So it's not going to be like that. But, yeah, I love your approach. And obviously everybody is very different and many people have trauma you know, I'm sure you know Gabor Mate's work, and you know that's his philosophy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So referring people to a therapist when they come from that place is essential. Yeah. So, what's your website called, uh, Molly? I've had a look at it; it looks lovely. As you are life coaching, my son actually came up with the name "As You Are." If you're looking for a sober coach, you know, I want you to just show up exactly as you are. You don't need to pretend you're somebody yeah. else or no. that first call we have, you don't have to have already been sober, you know, just show up as you are. You'll meet them where they're at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's kind of finish off with some tips from you. Uh, top tips to somebody if they need to to get sober. The first thing you need to do is take a look at your immediate surroundings. Do you have alcohol in your house? Get rid of it. Do you have an environment that feels welcoming? Do you feel comfortable at home? Do you have a place where you can go and feel like you can relax? But definitely like get rid of the booze, 100% first things first. Get curious, go online, start looking up, helpful tips. There's a ton of stuff out to go on Pinterest or Google or Instagram. I follow a crap load of people on Instagram just because I just love the inspirational quotes. I'm kind of an inspirational quote junkie. I think it's, I love it. And I share them with all my friends and my clients. Start following people that raise you up and get rid of anything that is advertising alcohol the mommy wine memes, get rid of that, like start unfollowing all of those. If you have to get a new social media account, do that because the more it's in your face, the more you're going to want to drink and it's just going to be that much harder. 
more curiosity, read some books, read articles, blogs, follow people that interest you, that you know you resonate with. You can subscribe to their emails. I still get tons of emails from Laura McGowan. I love Laura McGowan. She's one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. I love her. We are the luckiest. <laughs> yes. Well, she has a new book coming out. That would be a really good start because it it builds your curiosity and yeah. you kind of learn the lingo and you just you just start to feel more comfortable in the thought of being sober. Yeah, it looks like an aspirational lifestyle rather than, you know, something to to dread and worry about. Exactly. Like you were I remember you you said when you had no idea how you would do it, you know, and you were just terrified. So you used that time before your mom arrived to, to have more drinks. <laughs> yes. and just right. Blot it out. Because we, we we can't imagine how we could do it. And, you know, we need to start the journey. But we're we're very lucky these days with all the online stuff because uh, I, I quit drinking um nearly eight years ago. And there was nothing out there, you know, there were no alcohol-free drinks, nothing on Instagram, really, no online sobriety groups. So I think these days, you know, it's it's getting easier and easier yeah. because it is more out there, isn't it? Yes. Thank goodness, you know. Yeah, thank goodness. And I think that there are signs that it's changing. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. If you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just head on over to tribesober.com and hit the membership tab. That's www.tribesober.com. So you've given us some tips. What about if someone's listening to this and they're in that place where you were, you know, before your mum arrived and you were panicking and thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How, how would you suggest people get started? If it's a dire situation where you need something right now, I feel like AA is a really good place just to physically be like, you don't have to Hmm. absorb their philosophies or any of that, but just, just being around other people that are in the same shoes as you makes you feel less alone. And it's a physical, personal experience. Like for me, that was, that was good enough. Just being around people that were also struggling. When you listen to those shares, you suddenly think, oh, it's not just me then. Exactly. (laughs) You realize, you know, you're not alone in this. There's, there's millions of us. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not a lifetime commitment. You don't have to, you don't have to say, okay, I'm going to go to a, you can just go to like for a day, check it out until you figure out okay, do I want to hire a sober coach or is there some online program I can enroll in or do I need to go to therapy or, you know, do I just need to talk to my spouse or, you know, there's, there's so many different avenues that you can take to simply take that first step. And the first step is, yeah, yeah. It, it can, it can take a while until you figure out like, oh, this is it. This is who I want to work mm. with, or this is, This is by path and just stay curious. Thank you for the share, Molly. So inspiring. Let's pull out some key points. Molly was a rebellious teenager, so that's when the drinking started. By her late 20s, she was drinking heavily, but never questioned it. As everybody drank, it was all pretty normalised. 
But in her 30s, the drinking got really bad. Freshly divorced, she got back into the dating game far too soon. As a single mom, she was trying to keep it all together, but she knew it was going downhill fast. Working from home, she'd be drinking in the mornings while she was doing online meetings with colleagues. Hit by a serious depression, she found herself sitting in her car with a loaded gun as she contemplated suicide. Thankfully, her son called her at that moment and begged her to come home. She did go home and immediately called her mom, who came to stay with her. Molly knew she had to quit drinking, but she had no idea how she was going to do that and felt absolutely terrified at the prospect. So after a last weekend binge, she went along to AA. It did help her to quit, although she rebelled against the concept of being powerless and the rigid structure of the steps. After three months, she left AA, which is when COVID hit, and in fact that helped her to stay sober as she couldn't really go anywhere. So she got through that first year of sobriety, but she was not really doing the work. She was just not drinking. And as we often say, there's so much more to recovery than not drinking. And perhaps that's why she had three relapses in her second year. Her last relapse was during her leaving party at a job where she'd been for a decade. Her colleagues put on a happy hour for her and she went completely over the top. That was when she realised she had to do the work and she threw herself into it with great enthusiasm. She spent hours in the library perusing the non-fiction shelves and pulling out any books that appealed to her. She was trying to discover who she was and what she actually wanted out of her life. Molly devoured all the self-help books and loved the quick-lit memoirs, The Messier the Better. Her favourite book was Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And we both agreed that The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron is a great way to unlock creativity. Molly did lots of journaling, which allowed her to build new habits, build a sobriety toolbox, discover who she was and finally begin to love herself. She learned to set boundaries and began a daily meditation practice as well as yoga. She got in tune with her intuition and started listening to it. She takes great pleasure in everyday activities like gardening and walking the dog. Molly's top three benefits of sobriety are better relationship with her kids, waking up in the morning feeling great and getting to know who she really is and what she wants out of life. One of the ways that she sustains her sobriety is by staying open to opportunities and one day she received an email about a coaching course and decided to jump on a free call there and then to find out more. That call led her to qualifying as a coach and quitting her job so she could focus on building up her coaching practice. These days, Molly is thriving in her sobriety and loving her work as a coach. To find out more about her coaching, go to her website, which is asyouarelifecoaching.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. You heard Molly say that as a result of doing the work so conscientiously, she had notebooks scattered all over the house. 
Well, she's now taken the content from those notebooks and created a beautiful workbook about taking back control and redefining how you want to live. It's called Wine Stole My Dreams. And if you'd like a copy, then just email janet at tribesober.com and I'll send you one. So let me end with a member message from one of our chat rooms. This is Kathleen who did one of our boot camps. It's day 28 for me. How I felt six weeks ago about to start the boot camp and how I feel now are worlds apart. I honestly feel the work and each sober day is saving my life. I was in such a horrible dark groundhog place and living felt incredibly hard. I'm so grateful. Oh, well done, Kathleen. Sometimes just a few days of focus and motivation does the trick. Kathleen did the boot camp and then joined our tribe to keep her on track. And now she's got several months of sobriety to her credit. If you're looking for a non-judgmental community who will support you through the highs and lows of this life-changing journey, then please hit tribesober.com and click on Join Our Tribe. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.